0: Well, church, we're going to be tackling a pretty intense passage. Every person in this room probably knows it, and the world knows it too. So I'm going to start this morning with some prayer, and then we're going to dive in. God, we love you, and we just come here in this moment, and we want to rest under your teaching. So God, as we open up your word this morning, will you open up our hearts? Will you give us a, a, a time of, of teaching, God, so that we will know and understand uh, the, the power of this passage? The the correction we may need to make in our lives in regards to this passage. And God, will you forgive us where we have fallen short when applying this passage? God, we would ask that you would draw close to us this morning and we give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Do not judge or you will be judged. In the same way that you judge others, that same measure will be held against you. It's a fan favorite. We know it and most of the world knows it, and usually this text is used out of context in a way to justify wickedness and sin. But as we draw close as God's church here this morning, we're all here together, we're getting our Bibles open, we're gonna look at this text together. What did Jesus really mean when he said, do not judge or you too will be judged? As we look at this passage, as we unpack it this morning, I wanna look at three ways in the six verses that we will unpack as a guide to help us to understand what Jesus really meant when he said, do not judge or you too will be judged. The first thing that we're gonna look at is don't be so critical in your judgment. We're gonna find that in verses one and two. After we unpack that, we're going to go to the second thing is do be critical in the judgment of yourself and your sin. Do be a more do be critical in your own judgment of recognizing sin and getting rid of that. We're going to see that in verses 3 to 5. And then in verse 6, we have to be a little discerning when it comes to speaking truth and how we apply that truth to our lives and how we share the gospel with each other. Are you ready? Who's got a Bible? Let's get it out. If you have a Bible, a paper copy, or an electronic version, we're going to be in Matthew 7. We're going to go through 1 through 6. I'm going to read from the NIV version. You can read from whatever version you like. Let's do that together. This is God's Word, Sermon on the Mount. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, that measure will be used against you. If you do, they will trample them under their feet, and they will turn and tear you to pieces. This is the word of God. May I add a blessing to the reading of it this morning? Let's look at that first guide or verse thing that we're going to use to look at how to understand this passage. Do be, don't be so critical in your judgment. And the first real question for us this morning as we look at the text is, what did Jesus actually mean by the word Judge. What did he mean by that? Is he asking us, or is he saying that we should never, ever point out sin in brothers' lives? Look at the language. It says brother. That means that we're in a close relationship. We're in a family. It's not someone that is outside of Christ. It's someone who is in the, in the fold. It's someone who is a shepherd. It's someone who you're doing life with. It's someone who knows Jesus. So is Jesus actually saying that we should never look into the lives of others and make a comment? Does Jesus mean that we should never uh, correct ourselves or look at ourselves and correct our own lives, that we should be self-reflecting and, and asking the Lord, God, where have I fallen short? Is that what Jesus means? Are we not to be concerned about the actions of other believers as they're coming and going and doing life and growing in, in faithfulness in the Lord? Well, Jesus is actually not referring to that, those ju- types of judgment at all. In fact, as you'll see in the next few verses as we unpack, Jesus actually gives the church instructions to be discerning about our lives, to actually be our brother's keeper to look into the lives of others, and to be actually discerning how we as God's people handle the truth, because the way we handle the truth in our broken and fallen world may not be good for you, may not be good for us, and you can get hurt. So what is Jesus talking about? What does Jesus mean by do not judge? Well, to answer that question, we have to first do something that most of the world doesn't do. We have to put it in the context. What does this mean? And as we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been talking about a certain context. And the context of this passage, which is the very thing those who want to use the verse usually don't do, the context of the passage in almost every passage that we looked at is, is, the, is within the Sermon of the Mount is through the lens of self-righteousness or self-declared righteousness. Remember our key verse? It's Matthew 5, 20. It says, "For unte- uh, for, unless I tell, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law... You will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says that, okay, your righteousness has to be past theirs, but they have a certain type of righteousness that's leading them straight to hell. And this is a self-declared, self, self-admonished self righteousness. Jesus is saying, do not judge others by the rubric of your own self-declared standing with God. That's exactly what the Pharisees were doing all the time. They were using this self-declared righteousness to go around, and they were passing judgment on people. As we've read, we've taught through these passages. You can go back and look at the sermons, or you can just go back in your Bible a a couple chapters, and you're going to see that the Pharisees, they wore these long religious robes that were really beautiful with their little fringe so that everybody could see how dressed up they were for God. They had their Sunday best on every single day, and they would walk in the streets, and they would make sure that everybody knew who they were. When it came to their offerings, this is hilarious to me, they had people that would bring a trumpet. Could you imagine a trumpet? Trumpet guy, come on, I'm going to give my dill today. The Bible actually says that they would tithe out of their spice rack. They would give cumin, and a tithe, a 10% of their cumin and their dill and, and, their, and their offering to the Lord. But when they would do that, they would announce it with a trumpet. Look how amazing I am. I got a trumpet boy or girl who would announce that I am giving on to the Lord. And what about prayer? Prayer is important. We know as prayer is our language to God, God has given us a gift. When the disciples looked at Jesus, they said, Jesus, teach us to pray because they knew that there was power in prayer and they would pray on the street corners with mighty words and long words and, and, and very very religious so people knew. They had this self-declared righteousness and they were doing this all the time in front of people. And the issue for Jesus was this false righteousness. Badly misrepresented the Lord of glory to people. And this was a bad example for the church and for the people they were supposed to be growing. Their actual job was to look for the Messiah. The Messiah comes and they don't see him. And there's a reason that they don't see him. There's a reason that they don't understand. There's a reason that they don't draw close to the Lord. Because they have self-righteousness and they're using their judgment, they're passing their judgment through what they have built around them. And we are actually in danger. We as the church can fall into this same trap of just kind of being together and doing our own thing and kind of having our own little groups and cliques and, and we can start passing judgment on other people. So what did Jesus actually mean when he says, do not judge or you will be judged. And in the same measure that you judge others, that measure will be held to you. Well, what Jesus actually means is in our, in our comings, and our goings, in our observations of people, people's lives, the first thing is do not condemn people to hell. Sometimes we could be in danger of writing a person off based on their life and we are actually condemning them to hell by not sharing the gospel, not sharing the truth, not showing any grace to them. So the first thing that we need to realize that we as God's church is that we should not condemn people to hell. Another thing that we need to know and remember under the context of this is do not completely write people off like there is no hope for them. Sometimes we we can do that, especially people in our family. Sometimes we share the gospel with people and they reject us and they hurt us. And we're actually going to talk about that in a little bit, how careful we need to be when sharing the gospel because we can get hurt. But sometimes in our hearts, we can actually harden our hearts towards a certain group of people or people in our family, and we just forbid to share Jesus with them, to share grace with them, to share truth with them. God will never love you. You're too broken for God. There are probably people in here this morning that probably say that about themselves. They say that to God God, I heard your truth, but I'm too broken. Or you could never forgive someone like me. Where do you think people get that? They get it from self righteous religious people who declare that they're better than everybody, that they don't need the grace of Jesus every day, that they got their life all together. We don't have our lives all together. In fact, each of us need Jesus every single day. We need his grace and his mercy and his presence. We need to look, our our eyes need to go up where our help comes from. It comes from the author and perfecter of the Lord. You can be in Jesus for 80 years and you still need Jesus every single day. You still need to come and hear his truth preached. You need to still come and sing praises to the Lord. But don't, be warned, please, don't put yourself in a category where you think that you don't need Jesus and that you don't have to share Jesus with others. Do not place people in categories that are beneath you. That there is no grace available to them. That they have done something that Jesus will not forgive. The Bible says that Jesus will forgive. There's one unpardonable sin and that's to squash the power of the Spirit. It's to completely reject the power of Spirit. But other than that, there is hope for you. There is hope for the brokenness in this world. There is hope for the people in our community here today. If they hear the gospel and they turn from their wicked ways and they call on the name of the Lord Jesus, guess what he does? He saves. He saves. He takes you out from the evil that you were under, that you were an enemy of God, and he brings you in as a child of God. So we need to be careful, church not to judge people and put them in a category that that there, there may be no hope for them. Do not act if you're God. Like, we know this. Only God knows the plans that he has for the elect. Not us, not the pastors, only God. See, here's the issue. The Pharisees, they forgot. We're forgetful, I'm forgetful, we're all forgetful. We forget things all the time. Uh, my, my daughter has become a real, real helper in my life of me, helping me memorize and, and call to my attention things that I continually forget on a regular basis were forgetful, and that's exactly what the Pharisees did. In their pursuit of righteousness, self-declared righteousness, they forgot that God rescues. They forgot that it is he who saves. It is he who changes the category from from enemy of god to child of god in adoption it is he who justifies deems not guilty they forgot this it is he who sanctifies the lord draws us in as we learn the word of god i draw close to god god draws close to me sanctification is the only part of the soteriology the the doctrine of salvation where we get to work in tandem with god as we say yes to god And God does things in our lives as as he has set up the plans for us. We grow in holiness. Our lives begin to change. We don't become sinless, but we begin to sin less. We recognize the patterns in our lives and we say, no, because I want to honor God. God does that. And the Pharisees forgot that. And it is true that it is God who works at various times and in various places in people's lives. And we, as the church, can look at an individual and we can see that they may have come to church. They could have been here for years and they've been hearing the truth and they've been kind of hiding out in the church. We can hide in the church. You know, you can hide in the pew. You can actually hide in your seats each and every week. You can come in and smile and stand up and raise, raise your hand and praise the name of the Lord and not know Jesus. You can hide here. And some of us come in here every week and we hide and we kind of look, oh yeah, there's Betty, and there's Bob, there's Charlie. Charlie loves the Lord, his family's amazing. Charlie doesn't know Jesus. Charlie's hiding in the pews. He's hiding within the seats. It is, and, and we can just kind of see that, and then Charlie does something, and we're like, what, what happened to Charlie? Well, maybe Charlie really didn't know the Lord. And then in the Lord's timing, he's gonna use the church in the way that we show grace and love and correction We don't shy away from correction. We don't shy away from the truth. We don't shy away from sin. But the way we handle sin and the way we handle each other, it's important. Charlie comes to know the Lord. I heard someone testify this morning in our prayer time that they came into the church, but they didn't know Jesus until they were 50. Praise God. We We do not know the times that the Lord has set aside. This morning, you could be 50 And you could be coming here for a long time and today the Lord might wake your heart up and say, come child of mine, you are now gonna be a a son or a daughter of me and your life will completely and miraculously change and the word that you know that is just information will come to life in your heart because of the regeneration that will happen. Don't harden your heart this morning. God could be speaking to you. But if we completely shut down or shut out or forbid to offer grace, our witness is worthless. Make sure your witness counts. You see, the Pharisees, we have so many examples of this. The Pharisees were so critical in their judgment. In John 8, we see the woman caught in adultery. They bring her to Jesus. The Pharisees want her to die. They want to kill her. They're picking up stones. They're getting ready. And Jesus bends down and draws in the sand. He says, you without sin cast the first stone. If you don't have any sin... Cast the first stone. It's really amazing about that passage because it says the elders of the older Pharisees put down the rocks and walked away. They understood. But I bet if the older generation wasn't there, they would have killed her because the younger generation thought they were living within this self-righteousness. See, the older generation led by example. They dropped the rocks and they walked away. But the context of this was we wanted to, uh, uh, we, we want to obey the law and we want the law executed. And Jesus was showing grace. At that moment we see in luke 7 this woman she comes in and she's washing the feet of jesus with perfume and her tears and the pharisee actually quotes he says if this man was a prophet speaking of jesus bro your goal was to figure out where the messiah was he's in your house and you say this if this man was a prophet he would know this type of woman he would know the type of woman that was touching him she's a sinner Can you see this critical judgment putting her in a category? But Jesus says, she has loved me much and her sins are forgiven. Mark 2, 15, the Pharisees and the scribes complained to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? There is a great divide that is beginning between the religious people and the common people. And Jesus' response is, It is not the healthy that need a doctor, but it is the sick. And I have come to call, (laughs) I love it, the righteous. I'm coming to call the righteous. These people were declaring that they were righteous. And Jesus is saying, I'm calling the righteous. I'm I'm not coming to call the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. Those who are in need, those who are not self-describing themselves or self-declaring that they are righteous. And he says, I'm calling them to repentance, to turn. I think one of the greatest examples in the Bible, it's one of the, one of the examples I use a lot in my teaching and I refer back to, is the story of the lepers. The story of the lepers is if you had a spot one day and spots on skin kind of hold a, a, a real hard place in my heart due to my My own life, but if you had a spot on your skin, the rule was you go to the you go to the priest, you go to the chief priest, and you get them to examine it, and they would look at it, and they'd send you away for seven days. You come back and you look at it again, and then they would make a declaration, and this declaration was powerful. The declaration was you were either clean, which if you were clean, you would go and do some ceremonial washings, and you would do some purifications, and you would sit out a little bit from worship but you be okay. Nothing really happens to you. You come back the next week, you worship God if you're clean. But if you got the declaration that you were unclean, everything in your life changed. You couldn't go back home, couldn't get your clothes. You were marched outside the city. Not only were you excommunicated from your family, you weren't allowed to do life within the family. You weren't allowed to go to temple. You weren't allowed to sacrifice. You weren't allowed to worship. They were moving people right from this. Not only that, But a person who was unclean with leprosy would have to put their finger in the air when anybody would draw close to them and they'd have to put it under their nose and they had to yell, I am unclean. So they had to testify anytime somebody walked by them that they were were unclean. Which meant that they weren't allowed to go into community. Which meant that they were excommunicated, they were lonely. And Jesus comes on the scene. And I love that Jesus went to the lepers. And he hugged them and he put his hands on them, and he restored them, and not only did he make them clean again, but he brought them in, he brought them back into community. And that's what the Lord does for us. We come in here with our mess, with our spots, and if we were honest this morning coming in here, some of us, including myself, put my finger in the air, God, I'm testifying, I'm unclean. Jesus says, I wanna meet with you. Isn't that great news? I want to draw close to you. You're not unclean. In my presence with what I can do in your life, when you trusted me by faith, that declaration, you think that you're unclean, he's like, child, come close. It is in Jesus he can change our whole lives. So here's the warning for us. Be careful. Be careful, brother. Be wise, sister, in how we judge others. Because if you are writing people off and forbidding them to see the grace of God that is poured out for all people, then you will be held accountable. If you judge others this way, writing people off or condemning them, or refusing to even give them the grace or show them the grace of Jesus Christ, Jesus is saying, the way that you're treating others, he'll treat you. And that's a a scary warning to us. Here's the bottom line for this first verse, one and two. God's church needs to live a witness of God's amazing grace to others. We are not afraid of sin. We are not afraid to talk about it. We're not afraid to reason with each other. But don't be the judge and jury for God. Do not condemn people to hell. And let's not write people off because the saving work of God's grace may be coming for them. Do not condemn people to hell. This is not our job. So how do we do this? How How do we do this? How do we be accountable to each other? How do we show this type of grace to each other? We'll give a couple examples, and then we'll move on to the next part. When people have different theology, lots of people have different theology in us. Sometimes people come from another church. They may believe they may have been taught something. They may have read something. They may have a different view of theology than you. Don't crush them. Don't crush them. Some of us, we do this. We call it hyper-Calvinism or cage-Calvinism is where we get so focused on God's doctrine that we just need to be right and we argue our point. Yes, we need to be right because God's truth is right. But don't crush people in the process. Actually teach them. Actually draw close to them and say, okay, well, let's look at this. Let's look at this together. Let's see what God's word says. But some of us will just, no, this is what we do. And this is how we do it. And if you don't do it like we do it, you're not allowed to do it with us in here. Come on. We're all learning. We're all growing. Amen. Let's take the time to teach people. Or when people have a different perspective on a situation, I love how the Bible says, don't say raka. Raka means fool. Don't call a person. You're an idiot. You're a fool. Instead, lean in. What you talking about, Willis? Let's talk about this. Won't you come in, grab some coffee? What you saying? Where'd you get that teaching at? Let's talk about it. And you put it on the table and you reason. You seek out the believer and help them. Let's look at this. Look at the opportunity. Look for the opportunities to present God's word. But be careful. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But if people have a different perspective on a situation, don't write them off. Look for opportunities to teach God's, God's truth. Invite them to your DC group. I know some of the men go out for wings, and I've been invited out a few times, and I've gone out with these guys at, at different events, and like they have this community, but they're inviting people that are not a part of their group, and they're sitting around and drinking sodas and eating wings and talking shop. And eventually, we get around to the Word of God, and it's crazy fun. <laughs> People are have all different kinds of perspectives. What do you think, pastor? Oh, you don't want to know what I think. (laughs) I got a Bible degree. (laughs) No, we do. We want to know what you think. And then you reason with it. You don't write people off. Don't don't do that. The major critical judgment part. Don't do that. You will invoke judgment on yourself by the same means by which you're judging others. Let me tell you if, you, if you think that that's okay, I want you to know that there's no amount of good works or amazing deeds that you can do or how many service hours that you can rack up in the church to cover your own self-righteousness. You see, self-righteousness has no value in the kingdom of God. It's actually worthless to Him. So as the church, let's be careful. If we're judging people like this, I want to say, just put it out there because we're not afraid of talking about God's truth. You might not understand grace. Grace is God's undeserved favor or merit. And if you don't understand grace, you might not have received the righteousness of God, which he purchased for you. Which means you will face the wrath of God. If you do not have a true right relationship with God and you're not seeking God, and you're not pursuing God, and God is not really your Savior or your Lord, and you're hiding in church today. The wrath of God is coming. I'm just going to let you think about that for a second, because that's scary. So do not be so critical in our judgment. The Pharisees created a level of holiness that seemed to be unattainable. We don't want that in our church, that people can't reach new spiritual levels. We want to make sure that people are progressively growing in sanctification. And we as God's people, teachers, leaders, pastors, deacons, everybody, we're helping each other move along. We're all on this together. We're all moving at different paces. That's okay. As long as we're moving forward, as long as our eyes are lifted up. But we need to help each other do that. Don't create your own little club and not let people in because that's what they did. They elevated themselves and deemed others who didn't live up to their standard living of, of the law as unholy, as sinners, as, as castaways. Go outside the city. And Jesus doesn't do that. So don't be so critical in your judgment. Number two, as we look at judgment, verses two to five, we're gonna see. Do be critical. So here's where you get to be critical. You're like, oh, you're taking all of our fun away. We like to be critical. A lot of people like the negative. We actually talked about that in prayers this morning. It was a prayer that went up. Sometimes we are so quick to go to the negative than to the positive. Well, here's an opportunity for you to be critical. Do be critical when judging your own sin. It's great. Look at the passage. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? <laughs> How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your, your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your, your eye? You hypocrite, take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from the brother's eye. So Jesus is using a hyperbole here to get this point across to his disciples, that, and he's referring to these little specks In the community, brothers doing life together, brothers and sisters, people within the kingdom of God doing life together, he's saying there's two types of sin there's specks and there's logs or planks. He doesn't say, do not call out sin ever, but he's saying the approach of how we call out sin is important. And he's saying, be careful. He's teaching his disciples to be careful that you're not like people who are supposed to be drawing close to God, that you're acting as if you're drawing close to God, that you're, you have a, a high standard of holiness in your life, but you're blinded by your own self-righteous standings and you fail to see that your own sin is piling up. He's saying, be careful. How can you even do this? So I brought out a plank Look at this. <laughs> this is a little dangerous. So he's saying, like, this is hilarious. This is Jesus' imagination. He's talking to his disciples. He's saying, you want to go, you, with your self-righteousness, you want to go and take the speck. Let me get a speck. Let me get a speck. I don't want to, this is Pastor Jordan, so I don't want to wreck it. He might need it for his house. I broke a piece. I owe you, I owe you $70 because wood is expensive. <laughs> So here's a speck of sin, and you're going to be furious about this speck of sin, but you're walking around like this, and Jesus is saying, this is how I see you. This is what you're doing. I don't know if they can see me. Mike, can I come off the stage? Yeah, what if I just jump? I'll just jump. Can you imagine me just sitting in the, in the pews like this? Hey, Ramon, I want to talk to you about your sin. And I hate it. You just need to, you know, what about you guys? How are you doing? Like, the reality of what Jesus is doing here is hilarious. And, but it's, it's actually kind of sad because we can actually be coming in today like this. And the thing that he's saying is, you're so blinded above your own pile of sin, but you're so on guard for Jesus. You're on, you're on, you're on guard to making things right in people's lives because you're a, you're a specker. You're looking for the specks. Like, could you imagine that as, like, a group at, in the front? Like, Jen and Greg, like, as we, uh, as we interview people for greeting, are you a specker? Because we need more speckers in, in our church. <laughs> See, Christians claiming the name of Jesus but completely missing the mark, 100% in sin every day, just blinded towards the opportunity to go and deal with their sin and ask God to remove it, are coming in. They're not even thinking about their own thoughts and actions, but are judging others, and they're actually teaching others to do the same. Hey, join my club. We got jackets, we're looking at your eyes. And some of these Christians, have you ever dealt with a planker? I have. Have you ever gone and called someone out on their sin who does it, who's blinded to their sin and it's like this? They get so angry. How dare you! I know the Lord. I am not in sin. Well, James four seventeen has something to say about that. Anyone who knows the good they ought to do and do not does it is in sin. And if you know you have sin in your life, but you are constantly just bypassing that, and you're bringing judgment, a critical judgment, towards your brother and sister. And you're not dealing with the sin that is mounting up in your life. Jesus has something to say. Not Pastor Nick. Not that I'm afraid of you. I'm just going to go to the big guy. He has something to say. He says you're a hypocrite. He says you're an actor and you're a faker. And you're a joke. And you're not to be taken seriously. Because you have the opportunity to go to God at any time and deal with your sin but you choose not to and you go and you pass judgment on other people? This is exactly what he's saying. He says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye when, when you know that you do things that fall short of the glory of God and you do not deal with it? See, Jesus is teaching that you will never be able to rightly help those you are witnessing grace to if you don't at first examine your own life. So we are called to be critical in our own life when it comes to our own sin. We are called to examine ourselves. We're called to sit before the throne of God and ask God, search me by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus wants you and me to examine our lives for sin and sinful patterns. Not just sin, God, I fell short of your glory today, but actual patterns. I was talking to Leah, one of my youth leaders and young adult leaders, uh, just last week at the patio and we were talking about different ways that we do life together and different ways we do ministry. And she says, she asked me, what do you do when, to kind of think about your life when it comes to patterns of sin? Because we were talking about in our Romans 7, we were talking about the patterns of habitual sin. I said, every day before I go to bed, the last thing I do when I get in bed and I pull the covers up snug, I, I recount the whole day. From the morning I get up to the moment I get back in bed, pull the covers up, I go through every moment. Like, if you just kind of get in the pattern of that, and I'm looking, I'm scanning I'm scanning the day. Where did I miss the opportunity to show grace? Where was I in sin? Is there something going on that I need to confess? Is there things going on that I need to be aware of that could develop into a pattern? And I kind of scan through that and make mental notes, confess my sin to the Lord, ask the Lord to bless my family, and then I go to sleep and get up, and then I start the day. I pray, put my feet on the ground, get ready for the mission of God. But we have to be aware of our own sin and our own sinful patterns so that we will be effective in helping the Lord and doing what the Lord has called us to do. Jesus wants us to deal with our own lives every day before the throne. It's not just a one time, I'll see you in six months. It's a, it's a pattern of grace. That it, it's a pattern of opportunity to going back, of us going back to God each and every moment. Jesus' grace is available for those who confess our sins and turn away from them so we are called not to be so critical in our judgment of others but when it comes to our own sin we are called to be judge we are called to judge our own sin jesus wants us who have received the righteousness of righteousness of christ to listen to the holy spirit he will prompt us that's his actual job he's actually come to convict the world of sin but sin starts in the conviction of sin starts with us he's not going to bypass us and go to others He wants us to be in right standing, always with the Lord. That's amazing for us. It's a great opportunity to us, for us to listen to the Holy Spirit as he teaches, as we grow, as he shows us our next step in the growth plan of Christ. Can we help others while we're going through this process? Of course. Should we talk about sin? Absolutely. Do we help brothers break free of sinful patterns? Yes. But before you correct others, make sure you can correctly see do you guys know that I got laser eye surgery? So I got my motorcycle license. I know. I didn't buy a motorcycle lap. So I'm, I put my helmet on and I wear glasses. My glasses keep falling, fogging up and the glasses are shifting. And I'm like, I want to drive a bike, but I don't want to wear glasses. And I have a real good friend in the church. He's my real good brother, Pastor Jordan. And I asked Pastor Jordan, Jordan, what do you think about laser eye surgery? He says, I got it. It's great. You should get it. So I did. It's scary. It's scary when you're laying on that table. It's scary when they bring a scalpel and open the lid and they take your eyelid out or your eye lens out. That's scary. I did not like that. But I could see great. Next day, I was a little blind. That's okay. I'm healing up. But I noticed on my left eye that there was a spot, a black line. And I just left it. I thought, oh no, it just needs to heal more. But I went back on vacation, and then last week, I went back to the doctor, and they, w- they did something, and the lens was off a little. That's why I could see the line. So they made a correction. I could see perfect. But I thought that I could just leave that little thing in my eye and I'd just, just go on with life. But I had to get it corrected. And that's the same thing. We need correction to be able to see properly, to be, be able to be used by God. See, I thought I would be just healed and I'd be fine, but I really needed to be corrected. And that's what God gives us here this morning. He gives us an opportunity to see his amazing grace, his undeserved favor towards us. This is what Jesus is offering. He offers that in this moment for us as we draw close to him. He will give us perfect eyesight to be able to look to Jesus and then be able to help correct and help each other grow in the likeness of Jesus. And a serious moment and a serious question is, how many of us actually need this moment? How many of us really need Jesus to take that speck or that plank or that log or that tree? Maybe you have a cabin (laughs) that is blocking your vision. You've come in here week after week. You know exactly what you've done before the Lord. You haven't talked to him about that. There could be many of us here today. I say, let's deal with it. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to tell you to testify, but if you have any of that, let's pray together right now and get that out. Those who confess their sin and call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He's faithful and he'll forgive your sin. So if that's you, I'll let you do what the Lord. spirit speaks the way he speaks. If he's talking to your heart right now, just pray with me. Father, we love you. We thank you for your truth. We just thank you for this moment. I know that there are things in my life that uh, need to go to you that I haven't confessed. Things that I haven't brought forward that I'm, I feel guilty for, I feel shameful for, and I just want to present them to you. I'm hearing them now, and I know in my heart, maybe I know this already, that if I confess my sin to you, you're faithful and just to forgive me. Thank you for interceding for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me your grace. I pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. You prayed that prayer this morning. You believe in faith that God will remove these things out of your eyes. He will help you. If you run back to that, maybe you have a sinful pattern. Maybe you need to get on your face and you begin to pray and pray and pray and seek the Lord. He is faithful and just. Don't be so critical in your judgment to others. Do be critical when judging your sin. And the last one is, do be a little discerning in your judgment. Jesus ends this section with a warning to the church, how we handle truth and holiness. Through the lens of discernment, he gives us two th- things to think about. Two references, and they're to animals. He gives us dogs and pigs. Look at the verse: Do not give, do not give, dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. See, dogs weren't these cute little things that we put in strollers and push around. Like, yes, maybe that's you no judgment. <laughs> but Jesus is talking about dogs. He ain't talking about those ones. He's talking about these filthy scavengers that would come and they would come in and they would tear things apart and they would eat. And they were just looking for ravishing food. they were just looking for food. They're hungry. And he says, beware of, beware of the dogs. He says, do not give what is sacred to the dogs." Then he says pigs, and if you know anything about pigs, pigs are, pigs are terrifying. No wonder the Jews didn't eat them. Like, the pigs would actually eat human flesh, and I read in some of the commentaries that people had to be aware of their children. It wasn't like today, like, I'll see you at 5 o'clock, go play. Actually, that's not like today. That was when I grew up. Today, today's the right way. Like, they hold their kids all day long here's an electronic device. I can see you. You're not going anywhere. That's kind of how you had to be if there were pigs around because they would snatch a child and they would eat your kid. So Jesus is bringing this reference to dogs and to pigs and he's talking about truth and to be careful and to be a little discerning. He says not everyone wants to hear that they're a sinner. So your approach needs to be a certain way. And not every person that says Lord, Lord is a Christian. We know that. And sometimes people are just building. They're building their repertoire of information and they're within us. We call them wolves. They, they slip in and they're looking for ways to hurt the body. They're looking for ways to hurt the church. And Jesus says, be aware of these people. It is a warning against mistaken zeal in proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom to those who only intend to bring mockery and ridicule and abuse and even maybe death to the bride of Christ. They're looking for ways to take people out. So what does this mean for us? Wrapping this up right now, what does this mean for us in our everyday? We are called to be discerning in who we speak to. Don't be surprised if you receive hate if you post truth on an open social media. Don't don't be surprised. The amount of young adults that come to me and said, well, I just wanted to tell people about Jesus and everybody hates me. Yes, you're posting on an open thing. Also, remember that if you don't study the Bible, read the Bible, or study theology, and you want to present truth to a broken world, most likely the people that you want to speak that to, they know the Bible, they know the scripture, and they know the truth, and they're going to come against you. So make sure that you know your audience, who you're bringing this truth to. Make sure you're studied up. Make sure you're actually part of a DC. Make sure you're growing in the knowledge of Christ so that you'll be able to present the truth. Because if you come with only a half truth, they're gonna come and they're gonna slit your throat. That's a little graphic, but that's the type of enemy we have. Steal, kill, and destroy. And lots of Christians are getting hurt in the everyday marketplace because they're not taking serious and studying the word of God and knowing how to actually apply it. That's why you need to be in a gospel-centered preaching church that is gonna be equipped to people to grow in the likeness of Jesus, to become fully mature disciples of Christ. Come on, you want to study theology? Bring it up. I'm not afraid of you. Because I, I study. I'm not being prideful, but I'm not afraid. But I was afraid. I was afraid a long time. I was afraid to ask, answer anybody's question. You know what my, my secret prayer every time someone asks me a question? Oh Lord, give me the words to say. In your word it says, if I open my mouth, you will put the words in there to say. And I'm afraid. I'm not afraid anymore because we can learn God's word, and we can study, but we need to be discerning. So do not judge. At least you be judged. In the same way that you judge others, it will be held in the same measure. Be careful. Check your own life. Check your own heart. Be critical in, the, in judging your own sin, but also be discerning when presenting truth, because not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is out to get you. You may get hurt in the process. And if you do, Come. Come back here to, for healing, for training, to community. We're here to do life together. Amen? Let's pray. Father, you are good. You are so good. We just thank you for this time this morning. We just thank you that we can draw close to you. Thank you that you taught your disciples this. Thank you that we can apply it to our lives. God, thank you for the people that prayed this morning. The one to get sin out of their life. God, you are a great God. I thank you for bending your ear down. I thank you for the help this morning with the, with the delivery of this sermon. I pray that... I pray that no word would cause people to sin or cause people to uh, uh, just fall away from you, Lord. We know that your word never goes, never returns to you void. So God, I just pray that you would just impact us, impact us this morning and, and in the future when people hear this word. Help us not to be judging so critical. Help us to be judging ourselves to make sure that we are not walking around and hitting people in the face with our own sin. And people can see it, but we can't. And help us to be discerning when we apply your word to others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we close today, first of all, I want to say thank you, Ramon, for letting me put my sin on your head. You probably didn't expect that this morning. Do we judge? Yeah, we judge. But we have have to bring judgment a certain way. Don't be so critical in your judgment. Remember that you are not God, but we are called to help each other. So we'll always remember when we are trying to help our brothers and sisters, restoration is what we want. We don't wanna hurt them, we wanna help them. And by bringing them to Jesus, that is the best place that we can bring them. So let's make sure that we do that the right way. Do we judge? Yeah, we should be judging ourselves. Not in a condemning way, it's not a flip or reverse of that, but in a way that we are drawing close to God each and every day, as God's people. We know his truth. We've been saved by his grace. He has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. He has given us his word to help us. There's no excuse for us to walk around with a bunch of blank in our eyes. That's not Jesus's plan for us. So do run to Jesus, do run to him. And if you do that each and every day, I'm gonna say you're gonna be okay. Because he'll have arms open wide and he'll actually run with us. We can do life with him and the third thing is be careful be discerning in how you present truth because we do live in a broken world and jesus has warned you that if you go out against people that hate him and hate his way they will try and hurt you but we can rest assured that jesus is our strong tower he is our safety he is with us he will never leave us forsake us and you can call upon the name of jesus but we have some battle scars don't we But that doesn't stop us it does not stop us from presenting the truth because we have the best truth in the whole world it takes dead people and makes them alive is that crazy that's crazy fun so look for those appointments this week meet with the lord get things right in your life ask god to set up good patterns and if you need help you know you have a family here that is willing to do that. And your pastors will be down front. We love you. We pray you have a great day. Don't leave with planks of sin in your eye. Deal with it today. In Jesus' name, amen.